Hello and welcome to Restless. This is not Father Joseph Gill. This is, in fact, Joseph Parada. You're probably wondering what happened. Yes, there was a bloodless coup. Um, Father Joseph has been deposed. Um, his season has been declared vacant. I am your interim pope. Uh, um, we will be performing the rest of this podcast in Latin at Orientum, away from the microphones. So, um, I'm sorry, that's Father Joseph laughing now. Hello, Father. You broke free from your prisons. Oh, you're, alas, you're, I'm free. <laughs> you're free. Amazing. No chains could bind you. No chains. <laughs> the Lord has broken every chain. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, <laughs> thank you because I had ran out of stuff to say at the beginning. So, thank you for uh, filling it with whatever that mindless chit chat. Yeah, mindless chit chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Said speaking or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to, to Restless. As you, Joe told you, it's the Joe and Father Joe episode. Yeah. So um, I was thinking of this great saint quote called, All This in Heaven Too. And I realized it wasn't a saint quote. It was actually a movie from the 1940s with Bette Midler. I was going to ask, was it like a fortune cookie or like a, like a Hallmark? Uh, it might have been a Hallmark card <laughs> too. I don't know. All This in Heaven Too. And like, I, I just, you know, some days like we're, we're recording this in May. Uh, and May is one of my favorite months, like, you know, along with the other 11. <laughs> is that because of particular devotion to Our Lady or because you like the spring? I love the spring. I love this spring. It's so yeah. beautiful, like the flowers coming out. I just love that we're chanting the Regina Chile at the end of every Mass in May. Yes. That's enough for me. Are you really true at your parish? We're hardcore, Father. Well, your parish is named after our Blessed Mother. It is. Mine's named after St. Jude. Patriots we are the best St. Mary in the diocese, obviously. Well, there's a lot of them and we're to the choose from, but you guys are <laughs> not going to lie. But... Uh, yeah, so, so I love I love the month of May and, and like so much of this month and so much of life, you know, kind of we focus a lot on suffering. Life can be tough, yes, but there's a ton of blessings and a ton of things that elevate our spirit. And and um, uh, do you know who Chris Stefanik is? No, Chris Stefanik's my guy. He's a, a Steubenville grad who's a, like a Catholic speaker, kind of like a you know like a Matt Frad, but without the Australian accent because he's from Denver. And he goes around and he was, he was recently in Danbury, Connecticut, um, giving a talk. Um, really like a very famous guy. And uh, he, part of the talk, the talk was called Living Joy. And he said like one of the first thing to do to live joy is to live a life of gratitude. You know, just be thankful of, of the things we've, we've been given. And I think in part because all of these beautiful things are foretastes of heaven. They give us a little glimpse of just the good heart of God and, and how it's going to be in heaven. You know, time's infinity. So we kind of wanted to talk about this episode about some of the things that we've seen in our life that remind us of God, because really everything we see and do should remind us of God. I remember hiking in college one time with um, a bunch of buddies, and I went to Steubenville. So like everybody's like super religious there, and it was, yeah. it was great, and it was so formative. And we're hiking around this incredible lake called Jefferson Lake, and one of the guys like, you know what? The sky reminds me of Our Lady. Because it's blue and it covers the whole world. <laughs> I was like, that's so corny, yeah. but true, right? Yeah. You know, because everything we see should like elevate us and think, make us think of, of heaven and beautiful things. So, you know, what's what are some of the most beautiful experiences, most most wonderful experiences you've ever had, and how does that kind of give you a glimpse into heaven? Um, so we were talking right before we turned the microphones on about how, you know, um, they say that, you know, God ministers to us in one of three ways, primarily, but in three ways, right? Through tr truth, beauty, and goodness. And I've always thought of myself as like a truth guy and you've always thought of yourself as a beauty guy, but I'm realizing <clears throat> that, the, um, our Lord does minister to me through beauty actually, but not through like sunsets necessarily or like picturesque landscapes. So that's nice or art really, but really through, um, the beauty of the liturgy, beauty of, 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 of liturgical music, um, and so, um, like, so one, one moment that just springs to mind was, um, oh, the mass of the Lord's supper two years ago, making it 2021. Yeah. 
one year, I don't know. La- the, not this last Holy Thursday, Holy Thursday. Prior. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> after, you know, the first, the first Trudeau Mass back at, in person that I could attend. And I just remember, you know, and it was missing all sorts of trappings and stuff because of COVID. But I, I remember I was going for communion and um, I rounded the main, the turn to the main aisle to go to communion. I just got hit by this just wall of incense, mm. you know? I just, I felt that, you know, just that, that home feeling when you walk into an old church, an old sacristy, and it's just, the intense is just coming out of the walls, you know? Mm. And just in that moment, I was like, I, I, they're, 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 the, the music's good. I'm about to go receive our Lord. I'm in the middle of, of, of one of the most beautiful masses of the year. Now there's this beautiful smell of incense. And I was like, this is heavenly. Mm. Like, like I'm home. Like this is where I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be at this altar with this incense. All my senses aligned toward praising Christ, right? So that's that's one moment that, that springs to mind, like a sort of minor moment, in my, you know, not like a major moment in my life or anything like that. But no, but that's that's beautiful, <laughs> and really that should be um, what every liturgy is—the foretaste of heaven. Yeah. Do you know the story of um, how Russia became Christian? No. It's a great story. So it was um, Prince Vladimir the First, I think it was, or King Vladimir the First of, uh, who actually was in Ukraine because uh, the headquarters of Rus Russia was right. in Kiev. And um, he sent emissaries to all the major world religions. He went to the Jews, he went to the Muslims, he went to Hindus, and he went to Orthodox Christians. And the emissaries came back and said, when we went, went to the Orthodox Church, I think it was Hagia Sophia, which was the biggest mm-hmm. church in the world at the time, um, walked in and they, he said, they said, we felt like we were in heaven. Yeah. And so the entire realm became Orthodox because of the beauty of that liturgy. Wow. Yeah, I even think of um, because I'm just you know, such a cool guy. I, I, um, when I had a long, I used to have a long commute, and I started listening to um, the Exalta in English, in Latin, of course, too, but in English as well. <laughs> um, and just like it's easy to go a long hymn. If you listen to the words of that hymn, I mean, Catholicism has to be true, right? It's like no, no, nothing untrue can make something so beautiful, as far as I'm concerned. Like mm. you know, no matter how you look at it, like um, I'm not going to forget every word of the song, but. Um, you know, um, uh, what's the um, ransom to slave? To, to ransom, no, to ransom, to ransom to slave. He gave yeah, us. Um, this is this. These then are the feasts of Passover, in which is slain the lamb, the one true lamb, whose blood anoints the doorpost of believer. I mean, holy cow! <laughs> like yeah. it's just so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, um, yeah. You, I love that line that you said. That nothing. What was it? I don't, remember. I don't listen when I, when I speak. So. <laughs> So it must be true if it can make something so beautiful. Catholicism must be true because nothing untrue makes something so beautiful. Nothing like, untrue I think, I th- like I think so of the Pange Lingua and it's like, yeah, okay, sure, but we're wrong. Like, come on, this is such a gorgeous hymn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but now I'm going to I'm gonna throw it back in your face. Aren't some Buddhist temples incredibly beautiful? Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, mosques well, and... Um, you know, to um to invoke the spirit of Vatican II for a moment. I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> is it is it is it um is it is it, is it Lumen Gentium or is Gaudium that spells? I'm blanking on the documents of whatever, but um one of the documents says that you know various faiths participate in the truth of Catholicism one way or another to different extents, right? So, mm-hmm. um to the extent that you make a claim about there being a transcendent good, yeah, that's going to be beautiful. It's going to be less beautiful, I would argue, and it doesn't mean that there's not like you know, you know, 70s churches built by Father Trendy with you know awful, litur- you know, awfully sort of aesthetic liturgies in Catholicism that, that you know, I mean, obviously there, there are more beautiful liturgies than some Catholic liturgies, right, that are celebrated poorly or whatever. But. Yeah, yeah, some of the <clears throat> Eastern rites are incredibly gorgeous. Yeah, so. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. And I think I think that's why our modern world has lost a lot of beauty. Yeah. You know, you listen to the music because if you lose truth, you lose beauty. Well, if you think about it, I mean, for so long, if you wanted to have a career in architecture, in architecture and art, in music, you had to do it through the church. So all of the best artists, musicians, architects were doing it for the church. That's very true. Well, now they're not. Now they're building these, like you know, 
obscene like stained glass like you know glass and steel buildings in dc or they're making this like you know whatever kind of music but like you know, for a while it was like yeah if i'm going to be a painter i'm going to paint the statue i'm going to i'm going to paint you know god reaching out to adam or i'm going to sculpt david right or i'm going to you know erect these giant cathedrals right that right was, yeah right so how about you how um what, what, what do you what has been a foretaste of in your life you know, the moment that I can think of that was probably the most beautiful uh, experience of my life was, so I, I've shared um, in past podcasts about my own experience of going to Rome when I was 14. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, about 2018, um, I felt called and, and uh, got a benefactor to donate some significant money to take a, a group of teens to Rome mm-hmm. with their dads. And it was kind of a father-son pilgrimage. And so 13 boys and seven dads came over and it was it was pretty awesome. You know, I had a great time. Um, and I think they did too. You know, we hung out in a foreign country and made a mess. Yeah. But I was very embarrassed by some of them, Not some of their funny. behavior because they were the loud and rude, obnoxious Americans. But apart from that, uh, so we, we went up to Assisi, which if you've ever been to Assisi, oh, yeah. and you, you mentioned Gordon, you've been there, it's an amazing, amazing absolutely. town. And not just the the, uh, the buildings, but there's such an ethos and atmosphere yeah. there that you can- Peace. Peace. Like a penetrating peace. Yeah, penetrating peace <laughs> where everything's clean and you just sense the holiness of that. You almost town. sense that you couldn't be loud if you wanted to. It's so peaceful and quiet. I'm sure they were, but you know, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a great gift that was given to mankind there. And uh, so it kind of like started smattering rain. Um, but we decided it was like, you know, 6 30, 7 o'clock at night. We just finished dinner. And so I said to the guys, look, guys, there's this beautiful castle on the top of the hill, yes. Roca Maggiore. Absolutely. And it was, you know, it was, we're all pretty tired because we've been walking around all day. But I was like, you know what? If anyone wants to come with me, I'm going up there. It's, it's beautiful. You get a great mm-hmm. view of the whole city. So all the guys were like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. So the, the guys and the dads, we came up there. And we got up to there. there and you ever see that moment where, like, the, you know, the clouds part and there's, like, the rays coming down, almost like like second coming yeah. is coming? And so that, that's what was going on. So these clouds were parting. You could see easily 200, 300 miles all the way around, you know, all the way to Perugia. Maybe that's an exaggeration. I have no idea, but <laughs> all the way to Perugia and all the way to, all, you know, the entire plain. Yeah. And when you stand on that mountaintop, you can see a 360 degree view. Yeah. You can see behind Assisi, right. which is beautiful too. And so behind Assisi, there was this rainbow coming down. And for me, it wasn't, it, I mean, the, the natural beauty was spectacular, but what was even better was I was in a sacred place and you could sense the presence of God there. And mm-hmm. I was with some of the people that I loved the most in the world. And for me, the combination of the three, you know, beautiful, God was there, and other people that you love yeah. were there. Yeah. And that was like, that's, that's the happiest moments that I, can, wow. that I can really recall. And I just remember thinking, like, this is, this is heaven. Right. Because, you know, when you think about, like, what's going to last into eternity, you know, people think of eternity, you know, I get asked questions when I teach at the high school, like, is, you know, is heaven going to have pizza? Right. Like, no, we're not even going to think about My pizza. dog be in heaven. My dog yeah, be in heaven. Like, no, we're not going to think about that. You know, we're... The only things that things from this earth that are going to last into eternity is how much you loved God and your relationships with others. Yeah. And so like when you invest here in this on this earth in the relationships with others and have like a steep and satisfying friendship or you know, you, you give of yourself to the sick or the poor or whatever, that is the most deeply joyful because that's the closest to what we're going to have in heaven. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. It's interesting because people like I've heard it said people very rarely will remember what you said to them, but they will always remember how you made them feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's another thing that that's like part of that, I think, right? It's like, um, some of the most beautiful moments are the ones that we make last, that you can feel like love for somebody. Yeah. Like, um, here's a moment that just occurred to me. So I, I've said a million times, I'm sure that I taught martial arts for many years of my life. And so, um, the way it was broken up was there was, you know, when you, 
the first three belts were you know white, yellow, orange, and then um, we went for pearl belt. It was like a big deal. It was like the, it was the next step. It was a separate class, a big accomplishment for some kids. We had this one girl uh, whose name was Bella. I don't think it's a problem for me to say this because she's never been listening. Um, and we have no idea what her last yeah. name is. So. Um, right. She was a, she was adopted and she ha- she was autistic. You know, functioning. You know, um, she was in our class. Nobody was any uh, was under any illusions she was ever going to be a black belt. You know, it was this, the, her goal was not to become good at martial arts. The goal was just to get her socialized and confidence booster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had to slow roller through the ranks, obviously. And it was very difficult to teach her, very difficult for her to, to learn many meltdowns. And, you know, but I remember the day that she tested for and got her purple belt. And nobody, she wasn't her last belt, but we knew she, this was going to be, this is a major milestone in her life. And you could feel just the enthusiasm, the energy and love in the room. And I've never heard a louder round of applause, I think, than when we finally congratulated her for it. Because you could feel like, yeah, this little girl accomplished something, but we we're all here with her, doing it with her and doing it for her, mm. you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and like looking back at it, I think, yeah, like that, the joy of the accom- true accomplishment of, of another person like that, yeah. who just really, really deserved it and who, you know, is a, a major thing. Yeah. That's, that's like a foretaste of heaven, right? It's the joy you feel for another person. Not as it relates to me, what does it matter to me if she got a pro belt or not? It doesn't at all. Right. But just for the, and I'm sure she's forgotten it all about me, all about the school, about the belt, you know, um, she, she was, she was a young kid then, you know, but, but it doesn't matter. Right. Because like that was a moment in her life that maybe it had an impact whether she remembers it or not, you know? Yeah. But I think you you also hit on another aspect of heaven that that we can foretaste here on earth is that, uh, you know, in in heaven, we're all going to be united doing the same thing mm. and we're going to be losing ourselves. Like, we're not going to be thinking about, oh, what are they thinking of me when I'm praising God? Like, we're all going to be thinking about God. And it's a beautiful thing when you're all part of something that's bigger. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if you're a sports fan. You know, you know very well that I'm I guess a sports you're not fan. a sports fan. <laughs> yeah. We're going to say that out loud. You're yeah, not yeah. a sports fan. You know very I'm well I'm a martial arts Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I, I, I used to go to some Baltimore Orioles games. And I remember going back when they were good, which was like in the ni- early 90s, like 96, 97. Um, before when, I was born. Before you were born. Yeah, when the, when the stadium was actually <laughs> packed, you know, because now, now you can, uh, you know, throw a bomb into the stadium and nobody gets hurt because no one's around. But, uh, you know, it's amazing to be surrounded by 40,000 other people yeah. who are, lost in like they're not thinking about themselves they're they're lost in a cause bigger than themselves and just yeah. cheering in unity and take that and and bring it over to the liturgy i think that's one of the reasons why like things like the easter vigil and the holy thursday are so powerful because the only people that go to those are those who are super serious about loving jesus and to be filled with the church that is just filled with people that love jesus yeah and are praising him and are singing and and it's probably the same way. Yeah, I used to go on these Emmaus retreats. Tell, tell us about these Emmaus retreats because yeah. I bet that's a foretaste of heaven. Those retreats were interesting. I have um, like a complicated relationship to them because um, they were good. They were good for me. Like they definitely were. They were outside my comfort zone because they were very, they're not like capital C charismatic, but they were more charismatic than I was used to, am used to. They're also yeah. very touchy-feely. Very touchy-feely. Very much not my cup of tea. Uh, it's shocking that I ever did them, honestly, looking back. But, but yeah, but, but, but they, <laughs> not yeah, I think about it. But they're, but they're, but they're good for me. Um, yeah, I mean, adoration at Emmaus is a powerful thing, and I don't know how well you remember the structure of Emmaus, but so, the, you know, the, um, the, basically the way it works is there are candidates for Emmaus, they go to Emmaus, and after you make an Emmaus weekend, you can then help out the retreat, but really it's a retreat for everybody, I mean, everybody's getting something out of it, but the candidates, so we all go adoration together, the, I guess the final night, and then the candidates um, go to confession, and then we have what's called an agape meal, which is fine, but... Go, to go from the chapel to the agape meal, all the uh, people who are not a candidate or like a sponsor of a candidate, like a, like a, I forget what they call them, line up with candles in the hallway, uh, just like humming like, uh, like, I don't even remember the two, like, hmm, 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 something like that, whatever. Um, and so all of a sudden, the, it gets quiet in the chapel and you can hear it faintly. 
and the doors finally open and it's this dark hallway candlelights people like humming you know and there's something about that like cause it's like we're again we're all here for you and we're all here for you and that's helping us too right it's it's what we're talking about it's 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 a collective worship it's we're all here for one thing which is to grow in holiness so that's something i think of i also think it's pretty good homilies i heard uh, this is the first time that I ever heard um, somebody kind of give the talk version of the intro to Rediscovering Catholicism, mm. which was given by yourself. And I remember it being affecting. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's something about, because it's a fun weekend too. Like it's, there is normal people who went, you know, um, normal people were playing Frisbee and stuff like that. You're, you're smirking. Why are, at, at the a lot, there are a lot of, there, weekends. there are a lot of, there are a lot of abnormal people who go. <laughs> there are some abnormal people. Some severe, yeah. Weekends, but, but there are also some normal ish Normal, normal, there were, there so there were some normal adjacent people who went to that, those retreats. There were, and, and it's amazing when you go through an experience like that together, yeah. you're pretty bonded to the people that you're with. Yeah. I don't know if you found that to be the case. Yeah, to an extent, and for a period of time. I mean, that faded, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And it wasn't like the most formative part of my life, certainly, or anything like that. But yeah, no, they, they, were, they were affecting, and they were well done. And there was something to like the mechanic nature of like, all right, we know what we're doing, we don't have to think about it, like... That was that facilitated an encounter with Christ because you weren't constantly obsessing over the future. Like you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. If you they were take done. your watches away, don't they? If you're a candidate, yeah. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you have to just. Yeah. No phone. Not be, being without your phone is a is an amazing gift that too few people experience. Mm. Um, I always had to watch after I made the retreat the first time. Obviously, I'm, I'm not. An, like I keep saying I'm not an extremist. You know, I'm going to have my watch. But well, very few people know that Joe was actually a collector of fine watches. I am not a collector for this watch. I've owned that, since I was probably a junior in high school. I, I honestly thought you were. No, <laughs> I thought you have like five or six like huge, like hugely expensive watches. No, oh, absolutely watches. not. No, 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 no. Really? No, no. no, this watch probably cost me like 180, like 10 years ago. Okay. Well, he's always, was he's always wearing bling. I always thought he was a gangster. That was a lot of high school. But... I've had this. My other main watch has been broken since I was a sophomore in college. I have not gotten fixed. No, I, I like I, I like watches. I'm thinking about getting another watch since this is relevant for some reason. But um, but no, I don't own particularly many expensive watches. And watches watches exist to tell time to get you places on time, not as a fashion statement. There's a special place. That's never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. But <laughs> anathema say to those who to the to those who wear watches and accessories and don't know how to tell time. <laughs> Do you know people like that? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, if it's not digital, it's kind of hard. Got they got those hands. They're kind of thing. going around. It, it, all right. This is what we're I, millennials, right? Since, 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 I'm not. A, what are you, children? Generation Z? I'm Gen Z. Yeah. Are you Gen Z? Really? As, as, an, as a quick aside, um, last weekend or maybe weekend prior, uh, Steve Lee, who is the uh, Supreme Pontiff of of um, of Care for Veritas Catholic Radio um, came and spoke to us at St. Mary's in Bethel, um, my, my parish, and he described our show as a show by millennials for millennials, and I almost threw something at him because I am not a millennial. And you're and proud of that. I am proud of that fact. I don't yeah. know if Gen Z is any better. I think we are, personally. But hey, uh, who am I? I think it's no. <laughs> who am I? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we can debate that another time. We can. This has been a large tangent. But it's, but it's interesting how, you know, when you go through something together, you're you're bonded. You know, people that come out of the army, you know, they say that this is like the best brotherhood in, in the world and you could be separated yeah. for 50 years and come back together and, and reminisce and, you know, you still got the bonds there. And so I imagine that that's what it's going to be like to be part of the communion of saints mm-hmm. is that we've been through something together. We've been through the challenges, the trials of earth, been through, you know, the experience of death and, 
And then they're going to, you know, we're going to get to sit down and hear their stories. Like, I, mean, how I hope imagine? so, yeah. You know, to be able to hear from Maximilian Colby, hey, what was that like to be in Auschwitz, you know? What was and because we'll be purified, we'll be free, hopefully, of that, like, thing we do where we listen to other people so we can figure out when best to interject our own facts. Yeah. So we can actually, like, internalize people's stories, which is, like, I know that's something I very much struggle with. So, like, yeah, yeah really being able to, like, communicate. It's like the communion of saints, right? To communicate with people like that. And to not feel jealousy. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh man, I wish I had you know done that. Or I mean, I don't know if you, if you agree with this or not. I feel like so much of, there's, there's just not so much, but there's a certain like thing that happens among like Catholic youth group kids where it's like sort of preening and posturing. Like I remember um, when we went on a mission trip um, to, to West Virginia, that you were on obviously, uh, the first day we did daily mass and you said, you know, it's a good practice to get into to pause for a moment after Mass and to just offer up a, a prayer of thanksgiving to our Lord before you leave. So I encourage you to do that. And I remember we did that. And afterwards, I was I was talking to a friend of mine who got up first to leave. And he was like, he was like, why do I need to stay longer? He was like, he's like, everyone, a lot of these people, they're not, they're not, they're not praying. They just don't want to be the first to leave. He's like, I was praying. I was done. I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to put on a show for them. Like, mm. I want to go eat. And I was like, there's something real about that. You know, because there can be a certain one-upsmanship, you know? There can be, but there can also be a lot of judgment. In and, and I'm not saying that he was perfect in the situation, because there is a lot of judgment, absolutely. If he's saying, oh, they're not praying, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you know they're not praying? Maybe no, no, they are the, praying. No, no, you're absolutely right. But there is, there is, there, there are both these things, right? Where it's like, um, that person's not praying, but also it's like, oh, that person got up first. He must just, you know. He's love, a sinner. Right, right, right. right yeah. love Jesus very much. Yeah. yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And that'll be all taken away in heaven, because, uh, yeah, without the envy. Yeah. That's going to be great. Yeah. Um, we, we were talking before about you talking about, about, about Rome and I was talking about um, the liturgy. Is there a particular church which you've ever been in and you're like, this is a foretaste of heaven? Like just this building is so beautiful. You know, one of the churches I like the most is actually at the Divine Mercy Shrine in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Interesting. It's not a big church. And I'll never forget, um, I, I took a youth group trip there when I was uh, running a youth group in Stanford. And we had this this younger brother of this kid who was like probably in like fifth grade. And, and I think the family might have had dwarfism okay. because he was about like four feet mm-hmm. flat, like he's super, super short kid. And and we went and we had this whole long day plan. It was so much fun. We went zip lining in the morning. Then we stopped by the Divine Mercy Shrine just, you know, to take a qu- mm-hmm. quick visit. And then we got pizza, whatever, play football, whatever. Yeah. And we got back and his dad actually emailed me and said, you know, his the family was... was um, Russian. So the kid's name was Seraphim. His older brother's name was Ilarion. Seraphim like the angels? Like the angels, yeah. Like, like never met a kid named Ser- Seraphim. Love that. Yeah, but his dad emailed me and he said, he said, Seraphim could not stop talking about the church. He said, he said, I don't know how great that church was, but like he didn't talk about the zipline. He didn't talk about the pizza or the That's football. Awesome. He only talked about the church. I was like, wow. That's amazing. But it is. If you've ever, if you've never been. I have to check it out, yeah. Highly recommend. Do you have one? Yeah. Um, obviously, I only ask because I can talk about mine. I was kidding. <laughs> I was kidding. Gary is waiting to interject. <laughs> no, um, no. So I, um, I've only been to DC once, and I went um, like right before COVID happened, started in 2020. Um, and my friends and I went to the National Shrine Mac of Conception, mm. which I've never been to before, obviously. And I am a, as we just discussed, a compulsively on-time person. And we actually were supposed to be meeting some of my members of my family who lived down there for dinner afterwards. I made us like an hour and a half late. Because I insisted on seeing every altar, every statue, oh, every gosh. room of that entire... I was so enthralled by that place. It's beautiful. It is gorgeous. And they were at one point... I mean, two of my friends were Catholic. They were sitting in the middle on their phones, like falling asleep, you know, like dehydrated. And I was like... St. Pius X, <laughs> like, take a quiz over here, guys. Like, this is, relics this is amazing. So I, I, I totally lost track of time. 
um, the church was just so gorgeous and it was just so much more like I just felt like I could go back every week there's so much to discover mm. um, yeah. that's a place where you can like geek out yeah. Catholic style hardcore hardcore <laughs> and then um, yeah I, I was just we were just we were so late to dinner I texted my my, my, like my family are very faithful Catholics that, that I was visiting and they're like that's a wonderful place to get lost don't even worry about it and I was like, oh good I was like, sorry guys so we missed our like you know 18 train rides to get to you because of this so you know <laughs> but you yeah, know I mean that there was just something happening in that in that in that in that church yeah absolutely and that's why churches were built big and tall yeah. not so much to fit the people but to, to make you think you're in heaven yeah and it's incredible because that, that church in particular has uh, these murals on the ceiling yeah. for those who've never been there. And the murals are stunning. Yeah. And like the themed room. So like there's, um, there's one that was sort of like Native American themes, just but just like the, the you walk into this little chapel, which is completely different from the rest of the church. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. that They really showcase the diversity of the religious tradition in America. Now, here's a, here's a random fact for you about that church. Did you know that there's a little chapel dedicated to Our Lady of Hope? Um, I mean, not specifically because there's a million and a half. Chapels yeah, a million. Yeah. But but there's one dedicated to Our Lady yeah. of Hope, and that chapel's named Our Lady of Hope because Bob Hope gave the money to build it. I love that. Yeah, go figure. Hey, but it is the, the national. You gotta do. <laughs> it is the national cathedral. It's there, right? So. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it, it, with the uh, you know our the Queen of England is ailing right now. I don't know if you're following that. She's mm-hmm. she's 96. I mean, it's kind of yeah. you know she's been around quite a bit. She's seen a yeah. lot, but. Um, you know, as an American, we don't appreciate like majesty mm-hmm. because we think majesty is like just pomp and circumstance and just like yeah. useless. It's pointless, right? And I mean, we as Americans, we call him Mr. President. You're not like your eminence, your grace or whatever. But I think there's a real value to having pomp and circumstance <laughs> in a church because it, it gives you a sense of awe. Mm-hmm. And we should feel a sense of awe because that's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to feel a lot of awe yeah. in the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm a big fan of the British royal family, actually. Are you really? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you watched this, but um, Her Majesty, the Queen of England, gave a, um, I can't remember if it was a Christmas or an Easter address. I guess it would have been Easter. It was at the start of COVID. And it began by her saying, I first addressed you as bombs were falling over London. And now I address you as a plague, something like as a plague is you know, developing our world. And I tell you to have hope. Mm. And I was like, wow, here's a woman who literally has been queen, or it wasn't queen, but has literally been a public figure dedicating her life to her country since World War II. That's amazing. It's shocking. That's a long time. And like, the American culture misses the importance of that, but I think Catholics get it. A little bit, yeah. Like, like, um, could Father Corey, my pastor, have confirmed all of our kids last Wednesday? Yeah, he could have. But there's something about the bishop coming. Yeah. Right? And there's something about him wearing his mitre and carrying his crozier and kissing the gospels where a priest wouldn't and calling him as your, your excellency and the kids kneeling in front of him to receive the sacrament. Like, there's something about all of that that reminds you of the majesty of heaven, like you said. So, um, so I'm going to make this super controversial then. Let's do it. So... It was John Paul II that decided that no longer a pope's going to be crowned with the triple yeah. tiara, and you know, they had the. It was called a sede gestatoria. Wait, are you, I'm sorry. Are you sure that he was the first pope? Well, it might have been tiara? John Paul the first. I think was it, it, John it Paul was. The first? Wasn't it? Um, was it not earlier? Was Paul the sixth? No, Paul the sixth was crowned. So I think maybe I John just, Paul the first. Might I John, could be wrong. Don't. Might do have been, been John Paul the first or second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, they got rid of the papal crown. They got yeah. rid of the sede gestatoria, yeah, 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 yeah. which is that mm-hmm. seat that people carried sure. around, and you know. It looks very um, pedestrian right now, yeah. you know, because the Pope just wears regular tennis shoes and rides around in the back of a truck, you know. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that could be a cause of a lack of respect for the for papal authority and for the authority of the church? 
Yeah. And I think that, um, I think there's like, I, I don't fault his holiness for this, obviously, because there's a pandemic you may have heard about, but I saw oh, that. He, is there really? Yeah. Um, oh, it's, not a, it's not a huge th- news story, honestly, but no, um, it's not, it's not going to yeah, hurt anybody. I mean, not as compared to like Will Smith smacking Chris Rock, something like that. That was big. <laughs> that was big. Yeah. Um, but you know, I remember seeing a little while ago, that his holiness had basically been like physically discouraging people from kissing his papal ring. I get it. But at the same time, like Jenny reflecting before him and kissing his ring is the acknowledgement that he is the head of the church, Christ the head of the church, that he is Christ's minister on earth. Um, in the same way that I can call our bishop bishop, but I prefer to call him your excellency because mm. he, that's a title that he's um, owed. You know, and like, um, if you ever see the, the, video, the pictures of uh, either Pope Benedict XVI or John Paul II wearing like the red capes, you know, over there, there's something about that because... Um, the Pope is not the president of the church. Mm. And he is, in theologically speaking, in some ways, the prime minister of the church, but he's also like a kingly figure. Yeah, sure. Um, and it would, the rest of the world would do well to remember that. And us Catholics, I think, would do well to remember that. Like you can, the liturgy is like this, and I'm sorry again to go, to go on like this, but like the Easter Vigil, you can, simply, you can cut the Easter Vigil back down to bare bones if you want to. Yeah. And is anything, is a lot lost if you don't lower the Paschal candle into the water when you bless it? No. But there's something about doing that and inconveniencing yourself to like engage this ancient tradition. Yeah. That is just beautiful. Right. right? You know? I, I think people in the modern age have this almost Gnostic view of the body yeah. that, that like, you know, all that really matters is the meaning and not yeah. the physical no. e- exertion, right? So so I don't need to genuflect in front of the tabernacle because God knows what I mean if I just bow my head or just, you know, cross myself. No, I think, you know, our bodies are the way in which we worship, our bodies the way in which we encounter things. And I, you know, I'm going to write, actually, I have already written and I'm sending it to our, our publisher soon of our uh, bulletin. I have a bulletin article coming out about how to dress for mass mm. because I think it matters. Yeah. And, and 10 years ago, I would never have said that. Yeah. But now I think it does matter because I think, I think it's not for God. It's not to impress right. others. It's so that you realize that what you're doing is different, sacred, setting you apart from the rest of the week. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I was, I drive past this high school, um, on, on my way home today and the high school was getting out and, and the kids were like walking home in pajamas. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, if, you know, because everything is so laid back in a public school that you kind of just take it as like, well, this is not important. Maybe. You know, that's a great point. I think that Catholicism gets the incarnation right in a way that a lot of other Christian denominations don't. Um, because... Like I, th- I always think of that passage when the woman pours the expensive jar of oil over our Lord and Judas scolds her. Mm. I said, we could give that to the poor. And I, you hear the people say, well, scrape the gold off the walls of the back and give it to the poor. And it's like, but Christ doesn't agree with him. He says, if the poor you always have with you, she has done a good thing for me this day. And that's real. Like, the, um, yeah, there's, you can, can you go to a low mass and have the priest do all of every reading and, you know, rip through the shortest Eucharistic prayer? Y- yeah. You can also have beautiful incense at a high mass and have enough readers that it actually fulfills what the germ says you're supposed to do. And you can incorporate a little bit of Latin into your liturgy and sing well and take your time with it. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And it incorporates the whole body into worship. Like I, um, I, was, I was talking to, a, to, I started like a sort of like sort of informal spiritual direction. The priest asked me, he said, you know, don't be afraid to have weird ways to pray. He said, do you have weird ways to pray? I said, I do actually, Father. I said, I like to pray while lying prostrate in front of the crucifix. I said, because there's something about the way my body is in that moment where I am, I'm not distracted by things around me. I am totally before the Lord and I feel like the firmness of the ground underneath me and it's like stable as I pray. Mm. And he was like, that's fine. That's great. He goes, the body prays with you. Like that's perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we get the incarnation right because Christ chose to become man so that the matter is not bad. Right. Things of this earth aren't, aren't, aren't bad. They can glorify God too. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, and we need, we need to get back to that as a church to realize that, that 
everything matters right. in, in the flesh because the flesh leads to the spirit. It's the, it's the avenue through which the spirit encounters God. And someday the flesh will glorify God right. in heaven. So that wraps up our episode on heaven. <laughs> that went in some interesting directions. Well, I love how you landed the plane though, Father. I'm trying. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm trying to land it. All full circle. My challenge for you is to pay attention this week to the ways in which God is giving you a foretaste of heaven because although life can be t- sometimes rough and there's a struggle, nonetheless, every single day, he's given us a blessing whether it's a good meal with friends, whether it's the beauty of nature, whether it's praising him in his presence at Mass. But come and encounter him, because this is getting us ready for encountering him for eternity. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.5 FM. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.